Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, August 15th, 2023, the 937th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Now, last week, we discussed the Trump indictments and the possibility of another Trump indictment from Fannie Willis or Fannie Willis. Still don't know which way to say it. Down in Fulton County, Georgia, she is the district attorney down there. She has a history of prosecuting 
RICO cases. And there has been some indication for well over a year now that that was the route she was planning to take with the quote unquote former President Donald J. Trump. Now, in the wake of the third major Trump indictment by special counsel Jack Smith a couple of weeks ago, Trump posted on Truth Social on August 3rd, I need one more indictment to ensure my election. And late last night, Trump was awarded that indictment by Fannie or Fonnie Willis. Let's call her Fonnie for this episode. So Trump has received the indictment he was looking for. If we take him at his word, his election is now insured. And since he seems to be dictating events rather than responding to them, taking him at his word seems like the most logical approach. So I would just like to extend a great thank you on behalf of whatever portion of MAGA I might be able to speak for to Fonnie Willis. Thanks, Fonnie. This is the funniest indictment we have seen so far. And so today we're going to talk about that indictment and how the whole process went down. And maybe we'll even have some time near the end to get into just a bit of this Hawaii devastation situation and the response to that. But let's get started with a tweet last night from Natalie Winters of The War Room. She put together quite succinctly something that people have been talking about over the last few weeks, and she writes, For those keeping score, March 17th, Hunter admits laptop. March 18th, Trump indictment news. June 8th, FBI document alleges Biden bribe. June 9th, indictment. July 26th, Hunter plea deal collapses. July 27th, indictment. July 31st, Devin Archer testifies, August 1st, indictment, and new, August 9th, more damning Biden bank records released, August 11th, DOJ illegally designates special counsel, August 14th, FBI whistleblower transcript released, August 14th, Trump indicted. And so we have seen that pattern repeat plenty of times at this point. Bad news comes for the regime, and immediately following that is another major indictment of the quote-unquote former President Donald J. Trump. Throughout this series of indictments, we have seen little hints, little problems before the indictments come out. In many cases, Trump is announcing the indictments himself, and you could argue that he has been doing that with this indictment between the Truth Social posts I mentioned earlier and his comments last week about this potential indictment. He has been mocking and taunting these people for the last couple of years. He has seemed in virtually every way like he is looking forward to all of this, and now the moment has arrived. But in addition to whatever Trump has done in relation to this indictment, there were some problems with this indictment emanating from the prosecution side. Midday yesterday, a mysterious document was posted on the court's website, which seemed to lay out the charges that would be handed down to Trump and his quote-unquote co-conspirators before the grand jury had even voted on the charges. This is from the Washington Post late last night. 
Georgia court's apparent error in early publishing of charges gives Trump opening to attack case. Hours before, a Georgia grand jury handed down an indictment charging Donald Trump and 18 allies over efforts to overturn his 2020 election loss late Monday. A mysterious document posted on the court's website erroneously suggested the former president had already been charged before the file was quickly deleted. The posting of the case before grand jurors voted on the indictment and officials' failure to explain what happened gave the former president an opening in court and on the campaign trail to try to paint Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis's case as tainted and the criminal justice system as rigged against him. There is no evidence that the grand jury process was somehow compromised or that the document was intentionally leaked by prosecutors or court officials. But the court's clerk did little to tamp down speculation, refusing to say how the erroneous filing got online or publicly rule out whether it could have been the result of a hack. Now, in the immediate aftermath of this obvious major problem for the prosecution, there was a grand debunking effort that went immediately into full swing. People were trying to refute the idea that these would be the charges. There's no way they could have messed this thing up and compromised their entire case with such obvious malfeasance. It simply was not possible. One of the interesting things that happened immediately after, and this is kind of a personal story that highlights a broader pattern, was that a bunch of random trolls began piling into various chats and Twitter threads to say this doesn't say what it says. This isn't real. It's not responsible to post this. And it was clear that the attempt was to get people to take this information down. It is not normal to have multiple people enter a Telegram chat that has a few hundred people in it, most of whom have been around for months or even years, all saying the exact same thing. That is not normal human behavior. That's not a natural pattern, but it is easy to spot. And when I called it out, they all got upset and pretended that I was somehow unjustly attacking them by telling everyone exactly what they were doing and how obvious it was what they were doing. So they got upset and then they immediately vanished, further proving the simple observation I made. Now, I bring that up to suggest that what happened in the afternoon with this document leaking to the public was very damaging for their cause. There was an immediate coordinated effort to try to cover up that fact. The Washington Post writes, legal experts said the filing was likely a list of potential charges prosecutors were presenting to the grand jury ahead of Monday's vote that somehow was accidentally uploaded on the court's website. And experts said that while Trump may use the apparent mistake in an effort to undermine the integrity of Willis's investigation on the campaign trail, it's unlikely to ultimately have an impact in the courtroom. They quote a man named Stanley Twardy Jr., a former U.S. attorney for Connecticut, who says, unfortunately, errors happen in today's world with things being done online. I don't think this is something that is going to create issues. See that? It's just a human error. The charges were released before the grand jury had a chance to vote on them. But it's just one of those things that happens 
in this modern online world. They note that the court clerk, Che Alexander, was recently sworn in a couple months ago, a huge fan of Fonnie Willis. And her office released a statement calling the documents fictitious and said that documents without official case numbers, quote, are not considered official filings and should not be treated as such, end quote. But the document that appeared online did have a case number, though it differed from the one ultimately listed on the indictment later handed down. Late last night, Fonnie Willis held a press conference after the indictment was released. She was asked a question from a reporter about this earlier leak, and here was her response. There was earlier today there was a fictitious document according to the Fulton County Clerk's Office that was circulated online with charges against former President Donald Trump. Those That fictitious document uh, matched exactly the charges that we now see in this indictment. Can you tell us more about that document, Lee? Uh, because now you have the former president's lawyers who are saying that this is emblematic of a serious problem with your office. No, I can't tell you anything about um, what you refer to. What I can tell you is that we had a grand jury here in Fulton County. They deliberated till almost 8 o'clock, if not right after 8 o'clock. An indictment was returned. It was true-billed, and you now have an indictment. Um, I am not an expert on clerk's duties um, or even administrative duties. I wouldn't know how to work that system, and so I'm not going to speculate. Next question. Now, apologies. Obviously, the reporter's question is pretty quiet in that feed. There is absolutely nothing I can do about that. Fonnie Willis wants you to know, though, that none of this is her fault. It's not a big deal. You see, she doesn't know about what the clerks do. So there's no point in asking her about it. What's important to remember is that it absolutely is not her fault. And if you suggest it is, well, you're obviously a terrible person. Will Trump's attorneys try to get the entire case dismissed on this basis? Hey, maybe. Is that going to work? I can't see any way that that would happen. That is not the point of this whole exercise. Now, following these leaks, people were quick to note that leaking grand jury information was itself a felony. And, of course, we are going to see that debunked all over the place. But it's not the sort of thing you actually can debunk from NPR.org on August 6th, 2015. Pennsylvania's attorney general charged in grand jury leak case. Pennsylvania Attorney General Kathleen Kane is facing criminal charges for allegedly leaking grand jury information and then lying about it under oath. Kane is charged with perjury and obstruction, among other things, according to the criminal complaint. Now, is this the only example we can find? Of course not, but I wanted to provide an example that wasn't directly related to Donald Trump. Of course, we have those, too. This is from April 1st, 2023, by... Harvard law professor Alan Dershowitz leaks from Bragg's grand jury are a crime. It is likely that a serious felony has been committed right under district attorney Alvin Bragg's nose, and he is not investigating it. Under New York law, it is a felony to leak confidential grand jury information, such as whether the voters voted to indict. The protection of secrecy is as applicable to President Trump as it is to anyone else. We know that information was disclosed while the indictment itself remained sealed and before any official announcement was made or charges brought. 
it is unlikely that the leak came from the Trump team, which seemed genuinely surprised. The most likely, though uncertain, scenario is that a person in Mr. Bragg's office or a grand juror unlawfully leaked the sealed information. That would be a Class E felony subject to imprisonment. But hey, Fonnie Willis, she barely knows this court clerk. This court clerk just started two months ago. Fonnie Willis doesn't know what court clerks do. There's absolutely no way that someone in Fonnie Willis's office had anything to do with it. So this is not Fonnie Willis's problem. Is she going to investigate the leak and prosecute it? Of course not. That is not the point of this exercise. And astoundingly, that wasn't the only administrative problem they were having yesterday. When the indictment was finally released, the names of the grand jurors were not redacted. So all of the grand jurors' names are now public. We will, of course, be told that this was a simple human error. And then we are very likely to be told stories about how these grand jurors are being harassed by MAGA extremists. Is that going to happen? Of course not. Who cares about these grand jurors? But it's the perfect opportunity for a fake news story, an opportunity for them to go after MAGA and call everyone violent MAGA extremists again. Maybe Joe Biden will get up and give another insane dictatorial speech bathed in a deep red glow, looking even more Nazi-esque than he does when announcing more funding to Ukrainian Nazis. Now, this indictment was following on the heels of a claim that Trump's team had breached the election systems in Georgia. Headlines indicating that this was some sort of crime, even though Trump's team had been invited to examine the machines. Legal expert Jonathan Turley mentioned this in his discussion of the indictment and wrote, There have also been stories indicating that Willis is focusing on connections of Trump team members like Rudy Giuliani to a breach of the voting system on January 7th, 2021. The team was seeking access to the voting machines to show that they could be compromised or manipulated. Text messages state that the team secured an invitation to examine the machines in Coffee County. That invitation was reportedly from a Coffee County elections official who also reportedly claimed incorrectly that votes could be easily flipped from Trump to Biden. Coffee County was also discussed as an example of voting irregularities to justify a proposed draft executive order to seize voting machines. However, that order was never sent out. Now, Jonathan Turley, the liberal he is, says that the report claimed incorrectly that votes could be easily flipped. But that is not incorrect. That is absolutely true. We went through at length the J. Alex Halderman report. He is the systems expert who examined the voting machines and has, over the course of years, studied these issues. It is extraordinarily obvious that the machines are connected to the Internet, that they are wide open and vulnerable to manipulation, and that they cannot, under any circumstances, reliably produce an accurate result that reflects the will and intent of the voter. Now, the J. Alex Halderman report was already filed in court cases in Georgia before the 2020 election. So it was part of the official record, though not public, 
before the election was even held. To state that the machines couldn't be flipping votes is a bit absurd. Maybe Jonathan Turley is just relying on the standard of easily flipped. I don't know. It's also quite possible that he, being the uniparty villager he is, simply has never looked into the issue of voting machines. Or hey, maybe he knows all of this and he's just part of an info op. Anything is possible. I'm not trying to call the man stupid or anything or call him a liar, but it's possible that he's both. You always have to leave open the opportunities. Now, as you might suspect, the mainstream media is covering the hell out of this this morning. It kind of reminds me of when the voting shut down on election night in 2020 with Donald Trump leading massively in more states than he needed to win him the election. And everyone went to bed thinking, oh, Trump probably won. And then they woke up seeing that Joe Biden had a miraculous comeback, a comeback so big that it is absolutely impossible for it to have been real. But they wanted it so bad and they were told it was real. So, hey, why not believe it? If there's something wrong with it, I'm sure the news will tell us. And the news never told them, which means there must be nothing wrong with it, which means Joe Biden really did receive 81 million real lawful American votes. But no, he didn't. Come on. Nobody could ever possibly believe that. So the mainstream media is going into their full coverage live update mode. And one thing that's kind of funny about this live update thing that they do They now just have a string of running updates so that they can update the official story whenever they need to. There's not one article you're supposed to read to understand the whole thing. Just snippets here and there. We need to plug this gap. We need to fill this hole. We need to paper over this little problem that has arisen in the narrative. Let's just release an update and an update and an update and an update. That'll keep them going. They'll think it's all new news, accurate at the moment the best information as fast as you can get it. And if there's a change, well, hey, again, just human error. Things are advancing in real time, and we are just trying to keep up with the speed of this thing. It's not like this is some coordinated and orchestrated info op. And hey, we're in the internet age. People want constant updates when their attention has been captured. You have to fill that need. You got to give them those little dopamine hits. Ooh, Trump is even more guilty than he was 10 minutes ago. And hey, congratulations, commies. It's been well over eight years that you have believed you will find that very special silver bullet that will finally bring down the big bad Trump monster. And here it is. The walls have closed all the way in. This time is the time. Can't you just feel it, commies? Ah, oh, you got him. So we have constant update reporting, and then we have op-eds. There's no actual news anymore. Not like this is new information to you, but sometimes you just have to stop and marvel at it. This is CNN's big article on the Trump indictment, Analysis by Stephen Collinson. Trump's fourth indictment moves America closer to an election precipice. Oh, really? The most astonishing aspect of former President Donald Trump's fourth criminal indictment is not the scale of an alleged multi-layered conspiracy to steal Georgia's electoral votes in 2020 from their rightful winner. 
It is that Trump, the accused kingpin of the scheme to overturn Joe Biden's victory, who was charged on Monday along with 18 others, could in 17 months be raising his hand as the 47th president and swearing to preserve, protect and defend the Constitution. He was accused of plotting to shred. Oh, yes. Gosh, that's crazy that someone could become president after being accused of violating the founding principles of this nation. I mean, Donald Trump was accused of using legal means to investigate the validity of reported election results in an election absolutely riddled with maladministration and malfeasance. I mean, honestly, how could he? Now, people out there who don't understand what's happening at all would say, there's no evidence of maladministration and malfeasance. But yes, there is, Kami. It's in Georgia's official reports. It's in the J. Alex Halderman report, which is already in the Georgia courts. It's on videotape. It's in emails. It's everywhere. All you had to do was check and you would know that. But you didn't check. Why didn't you check? Because you didn't want to know the truth. The truth would mean that Donald Trump is actually more popular than Joe Biden. The truth would mean that more of the country actually agrees with us than with you. The truth would mean that you would have to change positions and you would understand that your side, your side, Kami, are the bad guys. It's crazy, isn't it? You were raised your whole life to understand that an illegitimate dictatorship in a banana republic would unjustly try to prosecute their political opposition. And here you see it happening. And whoops, everything you ever learned was wrong. It turns out there are complete and total exceptions to that obviously important principle. And the exception in this case, like it is in every other, is that Donald Trump is involved. If Donald Trump is involved, that's all you need to know. CNN goes on. The grave political crisis created by Trump's aberrant presidency and subsequent efforts to hold him to account deepened significantly just before midnight with the unsealing of yet another indictment against him. This one from a grand jury in the critical swing state of Georgia. The charges in this state case, which bring to 91 the total number of criminal charges he's facing across four separate cases intensified an already epochal collision between Trump's now extreme legal quagmire and the 2024 election in which he is the frontrunner for the Republican nomination. So it's all extremely serious. Donald Trump is in big, big trouble. And this could bring us to the precipice. But let's get into the indictment a little bit. Count one is violation of the Georgia RICO Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. And here is Fonnie Willis's intro. We'll go through a little bit of this count one and then just some notes on the rest of the counts. Defendant Donald John Trump lost the United States presidential election held on November 3rd, 2020. One of the states he lost was Georgia. Trump and the other defendants charged in this indictment refused to accept that Trump lost. And they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election in favor of Trump. 
That conspiracy contained a common plan and purpose to commit two or more acts of racketeering activity in Fulton County, Georgia, elsewhere in the state of Georgia, and in other states. So her premises here are that Donald Trump actually lost, he knew he lost, everyone involved in this conspiracy refused to accept that he lost, and they knowingly and willfully joined the conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election that Donald Trump lost. All of that must be accepted as true for any of the rest of this to work. And it turns out that each and every aspect of that is not true. And we have gone through that at great length over the last couple of years. We will not go back through it right now. So the enterprise laid out. At all times relevant to this count of the indictment, the defendants, as well as others not named as defendants, unlawfully conspired and endeavored to conduct and participate in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere. Here are the defendants. Donald John Trump, Rudolph William Louis Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows. So Eastman is the constitutional lawyer who was proposing various constitutional approaches on how the post-election process could go, including writing his opinion on Mike Pence's ability to send the electors back to the states for further examination. Mark Meadows was Donald Trump's former chief of staff. Everybody knows who Rudy Giuliani is. Let's go on. Kenneth John Chesbro, Jeff Bossert Clark. Jeff Clark is a potential attorney general candidate in a second Trump term. Jenna Ellis, who is currently a massive DeSantis simp, but could be an info op herself. Ray Stallings Smith III, Robert David Cheeley, Michael Roman, David Schaefer, Sean Still, Stephen Cliffguard Lee, Harrison William Prescott Floyd, Trevian Cuddy, Sidney Powell, Kathleen Alston Latham, Scott Graham Hall, Misty Hampton, and unindicted co-conspirators, individual one through individual 30, and others known and unknown to the grand jury, constituted a criminal organization whose members and associates engaged in various related criminal activities, including but not limited to false statements and writings, impersonating a public officer, forgery, filing false documents, influencing witnesses, computer theft, computer trespass, computer invasion of privacy, conspiracy to defraud the state, acts involving theft and perjury. This criminal organization constituted an enterprise, as that term is defined in OCGA section 16-14-3 sub 3. That is a group of individuals associated in fact. The defendants and other members and associates of the enterprise had connections and relationships with one another and with the enterprise. The enterprise constituted an ongoing organization whose members and associates functioned as a continuing unit for a common purpose of achieving the objectives of the enterprise. The enterprise operated in Fulton County, Georgia, elsewhere in the state of Georgia and in other states, including but not limited to Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and in the District of Columbia. The enterprise operated for a period of time sufficient to permit its members and associates to pursue its objectives. So the idea here 
is that the enterprise was created and spearheaded by Donald Trump, the criminal enterprise, in order to unlawfully overturn the results of the election in Georgia and elsewhere, knowing that he lost. All of it was this illegal attempt to seize and hold on to power and that all of the other people indicted and some people who were in fact not indicted were involved with Trump playing a role in this criminal enterprise. It's possible that their activity by itself would not have been criminal, but because it was all organized in service of this unlawful intent, now they are all criminals. The manner and methods of the enterprise. The manner and methods used by the defendants and other members and associates of the enterprise to further the goals of the enterprise and to achieve its purposes included, but were not limited to the following. False statements to and solicitation of state legislatures. The purpose of the false statements was to persuade Georgia legislators to reject lawful electoral votes cast by the duly elected and qualified presidential electors from Georgia. Members of the enterprise corruptly solicited Georgia legislators instead to unlawfully appoint their own presidential electors for the purpose of casting electoral votes for Donald Trump. And we have discussed the absurdity of this before. If you're unaware, simply review the concept of what are called faithless electors. And you can even see a video from back in 2016 of Hollywood celebrities encouraging electors to cast their votes for Hillary Clinton rather than Donald Trump. It was not a crime before. Now it is a threat to our democracy. False statements to and solicitation of high-ranking state officials. Members of the enterprise also corruptly solicited Georgia officials, including the Secretary of State and the Speaker of the House of Representatives, to violate their oaths to the Georgia Constitution and to the United States Constitution by unlawfully changing the outcome of the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia in favor of Donald Trump. And of course, they're doing all this in the other swing states as well. Fonnie Willis is listing all of that, even though she is only the Fulton County Georgia District Attorney. Creation and distribution of false electoral college documents. After the false electoral college votes were cast, members of the enterprise transmitted the votes to the President of the United States Senate, the Archivist of the United States, the Georgia Secretary of State, and the Chief Judge of the United States District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. The false documents were intended to disrupt and delay the joint session of Congress on January 6th, 2021. Wow, that's strange. It sounds like they filed official documents with electors from Donald Trump in all of the necessary places. I bet we'll never hear of any of that again. It's just illegal and coming up in this case, and we'll never, ever hear of those officially filed documents ever again. Number four, harassment and intimidation of Fulton County election worker Ruby Freeman. Oh, the woman whose name we cannot speak appears right here in this indictment. These false accusations were repeated to Georgia legislators and other Georgia officials in an effort to persuade them to unlawfully change the outcome. In furtherance of this scheme, members of the enterprise traveled from out of state 
to harass Freeman, intimidate her, and solicit her to falsely confess to election crimes she did not commit. Well, she's on video committing them. She's also on video talking about how she wanted to live stream and admit to the public what she did, but apparently they wanted her to falsely confess to election crimes that she did not commit. Five, solicitation of high-ranking United States Department of Justice officials. So part of this criminal enterprise was trying to convince officials to make false statements, including the Georgia governor, the Speaker of the House, and the President pro tempore of the Senate. The indictment reads, In one instance, Donald Trump stated to the acting U.S. Attorney General, Just say that the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. And the idea here, of course, is for legislatures to reclaim their plenary powers and decide the states for themselves as the Constitution allows. Number six, solicitation of the vice president of the United States. So the defendants corruptly solicited the vice president to violate the U.S. Constitution and federal law by unlawfully rejecting electoral college votes cast in Fulton County, Georgia, by the duly elected and qualified presidential electors from Georgia and, of course, from several other states. And this all somehow is to be dealt with by the Fulton County District Attorney. Seven, unlawful breach of election equipment in Georgia and elsewhere. They corruptly conspired in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere to unlawfully access secure voting equipment and voter data. In Georgia, members of the enterprise stole data, including ballot images, voting equipment, software, and personal voter information. The stolen data was then distributed to other members of the enterprise, including members in other states, and eight obstructive acts in furtherance of the conspiracy and the cover-up. Members of the enterprise, including several of the defendants, filed false documents, made false statements to government investigators and committed perjury in judicial proceedings in Fulton County, Georgia and elsewhere in furtherance of and to cover up the conspiracy. And so those are the broad strokes. Basically, Donald Trump led this criminal organization in a series of crimes and other activities to support this ultimate criminal intent, which was indeed the overthrow of our democracy. Now, as people began to pick through the indictment last night, many of the acts of this criminal conspiracy began to strike people as a bit strange. And some of the coverage of that has been rather hilarious, but let's go through some of them. These are things that are now illegal, according to the Georgia indictment. Let's just go through a couple of them. Act six, on or about the 21st day of November, 2020, Mark Randall Meadows sent a text message to U.S. Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania and stated, can you send me the number for the speaker and the leader of the Pennsylvania legislature? POTUS wants to chat with them. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. So that text message from Mark Meadows to Representative Scott Perry of Pennsylvania asking for phone numbers so Donald Trump could make phone calls is an overt act in furtherance of this conspiracy by 
Mark Meadows. He is not allowed to send that text message asking for phone numbers. What a bastard. Acts 22. On or about the third day of December 2020, Donald John Trump caused to be tweeted from the Twitter account at Real Donald Trump. Georgia hearings now on OANN. Amazing. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Now, it's interesting that she says Donald Trump caused to be tweeted like he had someone else tweet this for him. She can't even accuse him of tweeting it. But what he tweeted was that the problems in Georgia were being covered by OAN. That was enough to be part of a criminal conspiracy. And this is Greg Price on Twitter slash X who compiled these, by the way. So hat tip to him. Act 28. On or about the third day of December 2020, Donald John Trump met with the Speaker of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, Brian Cutler, in the Oval Office at the White House and discussed holding a special session of the Pennsylvania General Assembly. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Act 30. Trump placed a phone call to President Pro Tempore of the Georgia Senate, Butch Miller. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Act 31. Trump placed a telephone call to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and solicited, requested, and importuned Kemp to call a special session of the Georgia General Assembly. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. And Greg Price's summary of some of these other acts that are now illegal, according to the Georgia indictment, reserving rooms in a Capitol building, getting people to attend legislative hearings, holding meetings, setting up phone calls, getting contact information, sending emails, observing signature match audits on mail-in ballots, asking people to speed up signature match audits, telling people that there may have been voter fraud, telling people to watch RSBN, discussing the election on a phone call, offering to provide election worker Ruby Freeman with protection. All of these seemingly and otherwise innocuous acts are now overt acts in furtherance of the conspiracy. And because the carrying out of these acts would have advanced this unlawful overturning this overthrow of our democracy, then performing these acts in furtherance of this conspiracy is a crime. And isn't that incredible? If you send a text asking for someone's phone number and you're doing it on behalf of someone else who potentially unbeknownst to you is actually spearheading a criminal enterprise, you asking for someone's phone number is illegal. Now that's crazy. Even if the underlying ultimate goal was criminal and it's not, but it's rather amazing. I mean, imagine, Hey, can you get Sam's phone number for me? And you text someone who has Sam's phone number and you say, Hey, can I have Sam's phone number? I need it for Dan. Well, now you have to go to prison. Sorry. That's just justice. If we want to protect our democracy At a time like this, well, we need to make absolutely everything criminal. Otherwise, people might expect us to prosecute real crimes. The idea is that we just 
turn reality on its head, and then we are not destroying the country and destroying democracy, we're actually saving it. And sure, the country is immeasurably worse in pretty much every way since Trump left office, but the truth is, he was just so bad that these problems are just part of fixing things. Now, as you might imagine, in such a ridiculous, comical farce and spectacle, while we are hearing that it would be totally irresponsible to broadcast Trump trials on television because people might watch them for themselves and get all of these wrong ideas, we just need to have the experts tell us what's going on. Despite all that, the court session last night was televised. MSNBC broadcast it live. And while the gravity of indicting a former president would normally be profound, none of that counts because it's Donald Trump. Therefore, it is totally acceptable for the judge to crack jokes during the proceedings. All right. Thanks, Sheriff. Good luck the rest of the evening. You bet. That's it. Was it all you hoped it would be? Can you tell us what it says? I did get a good look. So, you want me to leave? Um, I mean, politely and nicely, you've had a long day, but these folks can't go until you all go. I know we had talked about leaving the equipment here. Don't leave the equipment here because you're not going to want to be here tomorrow. You're welcome to be here if you don't have a Rule 22 for what's going on tomorrow. Just good old trial stuff. So there we have it. Judge Bro just broing around, palling around with the media. It's been a long day of unjustly indicting a former president on totally trumped up charges. And despite the seriousness of the situation, every judge of integrity knows that sometimes a little levity is called for. Now, we've discussed over the past couple of weeks that Trump has called these indictments fake and illegitimate. And it's fine to say that Trump was exaggerating or using hyperbole or just Trump being Trump. You know how careless and reckless he is with his words. He doesn't know what he's saying. He can't control himself. He is an egomaniac and narcissist, too immature and unable to employ any foresight considering the impact of his words. So he couldn't possibly mean literally that the indictments were fake and illegitimate, except also maybe he can because the indictments are fake and illegitimate. And we've gone through this at length. I went through it at length just last week in an episode called A Bit Unorthodox, where I talked about the fact that in New York for the E. Jean Carroll case, she was allowed to sue Trump in a civil matter for sexual assault that she said happened a very long time ago, long past the statute of limitations had expired. New York changed their law to allow E. Jean Carroll to sue. Alvin Bragg created a novel legal theory. He combined some things to make up a whole new thing. And that new thing was a crime against Trump. Jack Smith ignored the Presidential Records Act entirely in his pursuit of Donald Trump and is trying Donald Trump under the Espionage Act with absolutely no proof whatsoever of espionage. Donald Trump actually in possession of his own declassified documents 
his own presidential records that are now his personal property. Those are the claims of espionage. And in the Jack Smith J6 and election related indictments, they're going after him for a conspiracy to defraud the government, a conspiracy to obstruct proceedings and a conspiracy to prevent the exercise of guaranteed rights. All of those things across the board are not only crimes committed by Trump, they actually describe crimes committed by the other side. All of them are setting up the most massive boomerangs imaginable, and this RICO prosecution is as well. As I've said many times, I expect that once this flips, once this turns around, what will ultimately bring down the totality of the deep state is in fact a RICO case, and it will just be fantastic poetic justice if Rudy Giuliani himself is the one to oversee that case. I posted yesterday that the reason Trump calls these cases, these indictments, illegitimate and fake is because they are illegitimate and fake. And we have seen signs in advance of the release of each one of these indictments that indicates they will be fake and illegitimate. Each and every one of these indictments has been pursued in a way that would itself be a scandal on the part of the prosecutors if Donald Trump was not involved. And I imagine that each and every one of these will present their own scandals for the prosecutors in the future. Here is what Trump attorney Alina Haba had to say. As well, what do you expect, Alina? I think we know what we expect because they leaked it by accident because some clerk accidentally filed it a few hours ago. There's going to be counts. It's going to be RICO. We all know what it is because we have a leaky AG prosecutor and DAs in this country. This is ridiculous. So the cameras are even watching this right now, frankly. I mean, it's unprofessional, it's unethical, and it's un-American. It is unprecedented. As a, why I don't, we don't often get behind-the-scenes camera footage of the process inside a court, it makes it feel like it's almost part of the show. It is part of the show. This is a show. It's a political show. Fanny, I can do TV too. It is not okay what you are doing. This is unacceptable. The fact that we have cameras and press sitting there, but I have not seen the indictment as his general counsel for Safe America. I have no indictment yet in in front of me. How is that possible and how is that okay? When do you expect to see one? Uh, will, will, will you find out what the rest of us do? You know when I'll see it? When the New York Times or you guys send it to me. That's when I'll see it, because that's the way our country is operating these days. It's just a despicable situation. It really is. I have no words at this point. I have no words. This is the fourth indictment in months. It's political. It's election interference. And it is obvious, obvious. And if you're not awake yet, I don't really know what's, what it's going to take for you. I really don't. And of course, she's right. And how much clearer could she possibly be? Now, obviously, this is in the run up to the indictment being released. She is saying as one of Trump's attorneys, she has not seen it yet. In the video clip, you can see them doing live footage in the building as they're heading toward the courtroom to hand down this very serious indictment. Some of the people in the hallway were wearing masks, of course. She says, this is a show. Look at these TV cameras. Have you ever seen anything like this before? This is a show. It's so obvious. I don't know how it could be more obvious. If you still are not awake, I don't know what it's going to take for you. 
Now, again, can we take all of that figuratively? She's just speaking off the cuff. She should be taken seriously, but not literally. Or, hey, maybe she's just talking shit. I cannot possibly know the intention in her mind as she's speaking all of these words, but I can know all of the words that she said. And she said it was a show. It's obvious if you're not awake yet, I'm not sure what it'll take. Consider how wild it is that for me discussing these comments under these terms and suggesting that just maybe Alina Haba, the president's attorney, could be taken literally and that it's worth considering the meaning of her words were we to take them literally would get me labeled a conspiracy theorist. What are you doing importing all that extra meaning into these statements? Like, what? I'm not supposed to consider that the person who said the words might have meant them literally? What sort of strange standard is that? We use words to communicate ideas. She's an attorney. She knows how words work. She is using those particular words to communicate those particular ideas. And it's nuts for us to think that she might mean the words that she used in the way that she used them. That is absolutely bananas. Earlier in the day, she was on Fox Business speaking to a woman who looks strikingly like Karl Rove in a wig. I want to turn back to that phone call. Is that really what the case hangs on? Again, January 2021, then-President Trump picked up the phone, called Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, the audio recording, he didn't tell the investigator, go find the fraud. He, he, it, when we saw the transcript, uh, correct us if I'm wrong, he urged scrutiny of the ballots in Fulton County, asserting they would find dishonesty there. That's what he was saying. He was saying, he didn't say, go find votes for me to win. He was saying, scrutinize it to get integrity into the vote count. Is that what Trump's but, counter but, defense is going to exactly be? That's exactly right. Well, look, we don't know the defense until we see the charges. Every charge has its own defense, right? But I will tell you, absolutely. I think you're being very astute in what you're saying. It's absolutely accurate to say that to, and as I mentioned before, executive branch, for the executive branch, the sole member of the executive branch to be concerned about the integrity of this country's elections, which is the single most important thing in democracy. When it comes to us versus third world countries, what do we have that they don't? Fair trial fair trials fair elections and the ability to go vote and vote accurately we saw things come out we know there were issues at, in ballot boxes we know there's voter fraud happening in states these aren't assumptions we've seen it and things come out so for the president to say on a call with lawyers by the way on the call that we're on both sides and say look this is just what i need or, or you know you can read the transcript for yourself this he's not saying go find that he's saying you need to look. You need to look at what's going on. You need to check and make sure everything is accurate. That's his obligation. Got it. Got In my opinion, that's his obligation as an American and as the president. And as mentioned, the Trump phone call to Brad Raffensperger is at the center of this issue. All of the standard issue villagers out there believe that Donald Trump was trying to corruptly force Brad Raffensperger to just invent from nothing 11,780 fake, fake votes so that Trump could win. They believe that is what Trump 
asked Raffensperger to do. But of course, if you listen to the whole phone call, you realize quickly that nothing of the sort happened. Donald Trump listed a range of violations, a number of votes in a series of different categories that could easily overturn the results as reported. Knowingly fraudulent votes existed. Trump pointed out where they all were and asked Brad Raffensperger, hey, just find me the number of votes required to change the outcome. You don't need to go through the entire process and find each and every fake vote, though there are more than enough in any part of this series of categories. We have all these different baskets of fake and fraudulent votes. Just find me 11,780. We don't have to go through the whole process. Just find me that many so that people can see the Georgia result is a false one and must be overturned. Very, very simple. If you listen to the phone call, you can hear it yourself. Somehow on CNN.com today, they actually linked to the full phone call. I have posted that in the info stream on Telegram, t.me slash very reasonable. If you want to find that, or you can simply search for it yourself. It is not hard to find that full phone call from Georgia. If you have never listened to it, it is probably worth your time. It has been available since the end of 2020. There is no reason to let anyone get away with the claim that Donald Trump was doing something strange by asking Brad Raffensperger to find those fake and fraudulent votes. So that was Trump attorney Alina Haba addressing that. Here is Cash Patel with his thoughts and reactions. As the aisle, this is a hatchet leader and a public defender, probably the only person who's done both sides of the aisle. This is a hatchet job by the Fulton County DA. And I remind your audience that Fulton County is 90% inclusive of the town of Atlanta, which is an overwhelmingly majority district against Donald Trump. And I focus on a couple of things that came out of the indictment. One, the repeated mention of the word corrupt, corrupt, mm -hmm. corrupt. Well, they have stigmatized and made it illegal in state court to declare a federal election outcome result. That is a federal law violation that they have taken the state court. Mm. So anyone out there saying that this doesn't have any federal implications does not understand the process. And the fact that they hijacked the court at 11 p.m. at night to put this out shows the urgency behind it. But more importantly, a RICO case, which usually does dozens of defendants, as is now being shown here, is a case that takes two to four years at minimum in state court to adjudicate. And that they are racing shows you that they wanted the indictment out. But there will be interlocutory appeals along this way that President Trump's defense team should file, starting with the illegal disclosure mm -hmm. of grand jury information. In all 50 states and the federal courts, that is a felony for the district attorney or any court officer to disclose grand jury information prematurely or at all which now we have confirmed they did to media outlets and other people along the way. So there needs to be an investigation by them. And I'm calling on Congress because as a committee staffer at the House Intelligence Committee and a former DOJ guy, I know that federal funding goes to these county prosecutors for the prosecution of crimes. And that is your jurisdictional financial mm -hmm. nexus to get a review by the Jim Jordan Committee or Comer Committee or, or what have you for federal taxpayer dollars. And the intent requirement here is something that needs to be focused. In a RICO case, when you say someone is being corrupt, there needs to be the objective, subjective standard. Donald Trump has said repeatedly 
He won the presidential election. He believes that firmly. In 2001, 5, and 17, when Hillary Clinton, Senator Barbara Boxer, Hakeem Jeffries, and Speaker Pelosi declared those elections unlawful. Now, do they sound worried? I would say that they do not sound worried. They sound like they want to clearly communicate the lessons that should be taken from this situation, and they want people to wake up and realize what is going on here. And I would suggest that Donald Trump doesn't sound too worried either. This statement was put out last night on X by his spokesperson, Liz Harrington, at 8.59 p.m. Like Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, deranged Jack Smith, and New York Attorney General Letitia James, Fulton County, Georgia's radical Democrat District Attorney Fonnie Willis is a rabid partisan who is campaigning and fundraising on a platform of prosecuting President Trump through these bogus indictments. Ripping a page from crooked Joe Biden's playbook, Willis has strategically stalled her investigation to try and maximally interfere with the 2024 presidential race and damage the dominant Trump campaign. All of these corrupt Democrat attempts will fail. Combined with the intentionally slow-walked investigations by the Biden-Smith goon squads and the false charges in New York, the timing of this latest coordinated strike by a biased prosecutor in an overwhelmingly Democrat jurisdiction not only betrays the trust of the American people, but also exposes true motivation driving their fabricated accusations. They could have brought this two and a half years ago. Yet they chose to do this for election interference reasons in the middle of President Trump's successful campaign. He is not only leading all Republicans by a lot, but he is leading against Joe Biden in almost every poll. President Trump represents the greatest threat to these Democrats' political futures and the greatest hope for America. The legal double standard set against President Trump must end. Under the crooked Biden cartel, there are no rules for Democrats, while Republicans face criminal charges for exercising their First Amendment rights. These activities by Democrat leaders constitute a grave threat to American democracy and are direct attempts to deprive the American people of their rightful choice to cast their vote for president. Call it election interference or election manipulation. It is a dangerous effort by the ruling class to suppress the choice of the people. It is un-American and wrong. They are taking away President Trump's First Amendment right to free speech and the right to challenge a rigged and stolen election that the Democrats do all the time. The ones who should be prosecuted are the ones who created the corruption. President Trump will never give up and will never stop fighting for you as we all work to make America great again in 2024. Donald Trump followed up last night on Truth Social writing, So the witch hunt continues. 19 people indicated, and he means indicted, tonight, including the former president of the United States, me, by an out-of-control and very corrupt district attorney who campaigned and raised money on, quote, I will get Trump, end quote. And what about those indictment documents put out today, long before the grand jury even voted, and then quickly withdrawn? Sounds rigged to me. Why didn't they indict two and a half years ago? because they wanted to do it right in the middle of my political campaign. Witch hunt. He posted witch hunt again on Truth Social this morning and also posted this. A large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable report on the presidential election fraud, which took place in Georgia, is almost complete 
and will be presented by me at a major news conference at 11 a.m. on Monday of next week in Bedminster, New Jersey. Based on the results of this conclusive report, all charges should be dropped against me and others. There will be a complete exoneration. They never went after those that rigged the election. They only went after those that fought to find the riggers. So that'll be pretty exciting. He said one more indictment to ensure my election. That indictment has happened. Now we have all the indictments. Maybe, and Julie Kelly pointed this out this morning, maybe they will find some way to go after him for seditious conspiracy or something like that. But for now, it seems like this is the set of indictments we have been led to expect. So that's done. Now it's time to go on offense. On Monday of next week, Donald Trump will be having a press conference in Bedminster to discuss this conclusive and irrefutable report on 2020 election malfeasance. The evidence has always been everywhere. It has always been overwhelming. People love to say, show me the evidence Show me the conclusive evidence of fraud. And then you show them and they say, that's not evidence. And you repeat that five million times and you end up in 2023. But it's there. Trump knows it's there. It has always been there. Now it is going to be presented to the public in this report. Big press conference. Everyone will be talking about it. And hopefully at that point, people will see that, yes, the election was stolen. Now, again, Jack Smith is pressing for that January 2nd, 2024 trial date. And with the speed of the process at this point, I would think maybe we will see that. We'll hear stories about how it might be delayed and Trump's team is trying to delay it and then they'll be shot down. Maybe we will get that January 2nd, 2024 date. Get that thing on TV. Make it the biggest television show that ever existed. The day after New Year's, the Donald Trump trial. And present all of the evidence there with everyone watching. What spectacular timing. Let's start the election year off right. We're through the holidays. Everybody's attention is refocusing on normal life. And as they refocus, they learn beyond a shadow of a doubt that their election has been stolen. Their country has been usurped. Their president, quote unquote, is totally illegitimate. Now let's get out there and have an election. That, by the way, would be a perfect time if this Republican primary, in quotes, is just an info op, maybe even a pro-Trump red team op. If that's the case, that would be the perfect time to see all of those guys drop out and endorse President Trump. Now, do I know we're going to see that? No, of course I don't know that. This is speculation. But it seems like that's where we're going. If you're worried about what's happening in these indictments, I would suggest you stop worrying. Not only does Donald Trump not look bad in the eyes of the law or of his supporters, he doesn't look bad in the eyes of Americans who actually are waking up and realizing that Trump's not the bad guy. And when that understanding finally settles in, well, then this can all come to its logical conclusion, which is, of course, expelling these usurpers, prosecuting the deep state, Recognizing Donald Trump in his rightful position as duly elected president and restoring our constitutional republic. Now, I didn't think I would get an episode out this early in the week, but I couldn't resist because we got a Trump indictment. 
and Trump indictments are the absolute best. So it'll be hard for me to get one up tomorrow. I should be able to on Thursday. That is the earliest to expect one Friday. I will get one up and then we will be back pretty much to the normal schedule. And so I will be back later this week, Thursday, Friday, maybe at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. 
On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!